If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Yesterday, I think it was about six or seven of us uh, men went to uh, Morningstar Church in Aurora for the Men at the Cross Conference, so it was a very good time. So I encourage you guys um, for the Men Sharpening Men on, every other, on Saturday mornings, if you can make it, to come out and be a part of that. It's just a good opportunity for men to get together. Galatians chapter 3. Let's pray. Holy Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity we have just to come together. Lord, we thank you that you rescued us, you called us, you delivered us, and we just get together to celebrate that and rejoice in that. So God, I pray that you would help us to do that. Holy Spirit, I pray you would come into Cornerstone Church and help us to know the joy of the Lord. I pray that would be expressed often when we're together. God, I pray that you just work in our church in a great way and that, Holy Spirit, you would just move and we would know and cherish what we have in you. God, I pray that you be with those who are struggling this morning. There's all kinds of reasons why people are hurting in a broken world. And so, God, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, just touch their lives, strengthen them, encourage them, lift them up. Lord, thanks for all the teenagers that we have in our church and our college students. And I pray this morning as they are hanging out together at the retreat, that you would just draw them closer to yourself, that would just be encouraged and lift them up. Thanks for the Thompsons and the vocals helping out with that. And God, I pray you just move in a great way. Lord, pray right now that we would understand and cherish the Holy Spirit even more and the power that we have through him. It would be in Christ alone, through the Spirit's power, that we would serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What happens when a bad dream seems to become a reality for you? What happens when you're, uh, you're sleeping nice and sound, and all of a sudden the nice dream that you're having turns really ugly, and it starts to just kind of consume you? Is anybody walk in their sleep here? I'm a sleepwalker. I do walk in my sleep. It's an ugly thing when I walk in my sleep. There is good sleepwalking, and then there's ugly sleepwalking. What I do is ugly uh, sleepwalking. In Galatians chapter 3, 1 through 6, that's what Paul is challenging this church with. Let me read it. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. We have been going through the book of Galatians and the first two chapters has Paul been saying, listen, I was delivered from this present evil age. God delivered me from this and then he gave the message of his deliverance to this group of churches, this group of people, and now he's just shocked at how quickly they have left the gospel. And he's just blown away by it, and then he has to spend two chapters defending his right as an apostle of Jesus Christ, that he did see Jesus, and that he knows the gospel, and that he can preach the gospel. And he spent the first two chapters defending his right as an apostle. And he said in his defense that there is a way to be out of step with the gospel. And he came to Peter, who should have known better about the gospel, and said, Peter, you're out of step with your gospel. You're walking 
a different road with the gospel that will lead to destruction if you stay on that road. And he also said that if there's people who preach a different gospel than the one that Paul preached, they will be accursed. The wrath of God, the judgment of God would still be on them. And then he goes into detail at the end as he starts to bring it to the doctrine of what he wants to share with him. What is the gospel? And he said, we said last week that he, he said he describes the hope of the gospel that we have in Christ. So we have been crucified with Christ. That it's not us who lives, but it's Christ who lives in us. That's our hope. Why would we want to settle for anything less than that status? All the things that God has given to us. And that's where he starts with these people. And they have not done that. And he starts to ask them questions, rhetorical questions, to try to back them into a corner and say, really? What are you thinking? Because you're not thinking. And he starts out with this in verse 1, O oh, foolish Galatians. If you're a parent, you know what that O oh means. Or if you have a friend who is heading in a direction that he shouldn't go and you've tried to stop him, you've said that, haven't you? It is not just ripping on somebody, it is grace to them. You want them to get it. You want them to understand it, and you're also unbelievably grieved that they aren't getting it, and they're about ready to make a major mistake. If you told your kid something, and they haven't got it in their mouth and off, and you're just like, oh, and say their name. Or you're, you're trying to help your friend, and you're, and you're trying to get them to uh, do the right thing, and it's just like, they're just not getting it, and you say, oh, what, what is your problem? You are, oh, that is so foolish. That's how Paul feels about this. This is an unbelievable word of grace for them. Because if people don't call us out of our foolishness, we are in great trouble. Because we are often foolish, aren't we? And so we need people. It's the grace of God on us. When somebody says to us, you're not following the gospel, oh, don't be foolish. But he asks them a number of questions. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It's like, who's put you in a trance? Who has hypnotized you? Why are you in this kind of a fog? That's why you're, you're sleepwalking. Why are you walking around like this? You know better than this. I'm an ugly sleepwalker. When I sleepwalk, I, I flail around, I yell and scream things, and it's just, it's not a pretty sight. One of my sons, Jared, is also a sleepwalker, but he is a cute sleepwalker. He, he's got his eyes open. You can talk to him. You can have conversations with him. And so you don't always know if he's asleep or if he's awake because you can, he can go for a long time and he has no idea what he's talking about or what he's doing. So we have to try to ask him questions to wake him from his fog. And so we, we can't yell at him because you don't want to scare him. He doesn't know what he's doing. So we have to ask him constantly, Jared, are you awake? Jared, what are you doing? Ask him questions after questions after questions. So hopefully by asking him questions, we will wake him up out of his fog, out of this hypnotic state of sleepwalking so he will know what he's doing. And that's what Paul is saying to these people. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has hypnotized you? Why are you in this kind of a fog? And so he just goes after them with a bunch of questions to try to back them into, he asks them six questions to try to show them the way they're going with the gospel is not right. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want to ask us, instead of six, three. I want to ask you three questions that Paul says. The hope of the gospel is we have the power of God. Romans 1 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, there is the power of God unto salvation. Why? Why would we settle for anything less than all that the gospel has to offer you? The problem is we settle 
off too often for something less. And if we settle, what you settle for, the gospel that you settle for is the gospel that you believe. So we've got to make sure we are not in a fog, that we are not sleepwalking, that we are not believing and living a gospel that is not the gospel that Jesus Christ gave because it is a destructive thing to be out of step with the gospel. So Paul says, he asks him these questions. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The first question I want us to ask is, who has caused you to settle? Who has caused you to settle in your Christian life? Some of you are frustrated spiritually with where you're at. You thought you'd be down the road a little bit farther. You thought the spiritual life, being a Christian, would mean more. You'd have more things figured out. And you're just, you're, you blame all kinds of people for all your problems. And maybe you were, you've been raised in church. And it was like, this is not what I thought all these people said it was supposed to be. And now I'm just in a mess. And you're ready to know you to walk away from the gospel. You're not really, truly believing the gospel that God gave us through Jesus Christ. Who? And you've settled for something less. Who has caused you to settle? Well, it always comes back to you. No matter what other people do, no matter what other people have said to you, at the end of the day, you are responsible. You will be held accountable for the gospel and your response to it. So you can carry all these problems, all these concerns, all your past hurts, all your frustrations, all your pains, all the things your parents did to you, all the things that your uh, friends have done to you, all the things that crazy people about, said to you about Jesus, and just blame all them and say, you know what, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm done with the gospel because it's, I'm just, people are crazy. They tell me all these bizarre things. I'm done with it. Who's bewitched you? Because at the bottom, at the end of the day, it is you. You are living in a fog. You are going to be responsible. You are going to stand before God. And God's going to ask you, what did you do with my son? So whatever people have done to you, and that is painful stuff, it's hurtful stuff, but when it comes to the gospel, you can't blame them. You've got to stand before God, and you've got to answer this question, who has bewitched me? What am I believing about the gospel, because the gospel story is this. Paul says, I, I cannot understand you people. How can you be so confused with this gospel? Because I was the one that preached it to you. Paul says, I came to you and I portrayed public to you Jesus Christ crucified, which means Paul came with a story. He came with a news event. He came not with this little method of how to make your life right, but he came with this message about a person, Jesus Christ, who was born in Nazareth, was a carpenter's son, who lived a perfect life, who was innocent, but then he was accused of all these of crimes he did not commit, and he was crucified on a cross, and his blood was shed, and he died. But then three days later, he rose again, and he's alive. And if you repent and see your need of salvation and see yourself as a sinner and trust in him, there is hope for you. That's the message that Paul preached. And he said he preached it to these people in such a way that it was vividly portrayed to them. Paul said when he preached it to these people, when they first heard the gospel, they, it just didn't just, well, that's a nice story. It, they got it. 
They were consumed with it. They saw that this Jesus was what they really needed. It untangled everything for them. All their parent problems, all their children issues, all their frustrations with life. Instantly, all of a sudden, it was like, wow. It's like a huge thing on a billboard. Yes, Jesus is the answer to what I need. And they received it and they accepted it. And some of you did that. Remember when that happened to you? Remember when that happened to you? And you... You grasped the gospel, and now things aren't, you're not there yet. What's bewitched you? What has gotten you into this fall? What has caused you to settle? Paul says, I don't understand this. I preach to you Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the answer to all of your problems. That's the answer to all of our problems. It is a, the person of Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins, that we are guilty before God, that the wrath of God hangs or hung over us. We needed help outside of ourselves, and Jesus was our help. He came and delivered us from this present world, and he wants to deliver you from this present world. We needed rescue. We didn't just need to get cleaned up. We needed somebody to rescue us, and Jesus, by his death on the cross, by his shedding his blood, he is your rescue, and he's our rescue. People who get that, when they hear that, they say, yes. I see it. It's like it's vividly portrayed on the back of my heart's eyes. I can see it. I can believe it. I accept it. And yes, that's my hope. That's my rescue. And that's where these people were. They were there. And now Paul's asking them, why are you settling for something less? Because what had happened was people had come in and started to tell these people that, you know, if you really want to go further in the gospel, or if you really want to be a believer in Jesus, you have to have Jesus, but you also have to follow Jewish law. And one of the biggest things you need to follow is this, you got to be circumcised. You need to follow, and, and Paul says, no. I came to you and I said, you become a person of God, a child of God, one way. It is by Jesus Christ and him crucified, nothing else. We needed rescue. And Paul preached to them the gospel. What's caused you to walk away from that, he says. Then he asks him another question. Is he just trying to back him into the corner and say, yes, wake up out of your fog. He says, verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Now he's getting a little passionately perturbed. How can you be this foolish? These are all rhetorical questions. Paul knows the answer to these. They know the answer to these. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? When I came to you and preached to you, this Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago, who really died and who really rose again, and you saw it, and you experienced it, and you tasted it, and you knew it was true, and you accepted it, and your lives were changed because of it, when you got that, did I, did I say you needed to get circumcised? Did I say you needed to go to church every Sunday? Did I say you needed to do all these things? Or did I just tell you Jesus has done it all for you? Jesus has done it all for you. There's nothing that you have to do. There's nothing that you have to do. If there's anything you have to do, it's not the gospel. What was the answer? They said, he's backing them into the corner. Why would you settle? Ask yourself this. Why would you settle when you know what you have. That's what he's trying to ask them. When you got the Spirit, was it by works that you did or was it by 
grace. Are you so foolish? Having begun that way in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Why would you settle when you, when you know what you have? The problem is this. We don't always know what we have, do we? We're not always sure about what we've got in the gospel. This is all over the place. You can, you can Google this, and I, I got, or YouTube uh, videos this, but all over the place, there's these people who are selling things in garage sales, aren't they? And they are just these priceless treasures. Somebody was at a thrift store, and for $2.48, they bought an original copy of the Declaration of Independence. It went on to be sold for over $200,000. Somebody did not know what they have. And so because they, they didn't know what they had, they just passed it off, and they sent it to some thrift store. And so Paul's question to these people is, listen, this, is, this gospel will change your life, and it did change your life. So why would you not settle for this? Don't you know what you have? But the problem is we don't always know what we have, do we? And we often take for granted what it is that we have. So what do we have when we get the gospel? What is it that we have? Paul says this, you get the Holy Spirit. When you accept Christ, you get God. In, the, in chapter 4, he says this of this, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts. When you received God by faith, if you received God by faith, you have the same Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. The whole, same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that is in you. He's part of the Trinity. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Spirit. He is a person. He's not this mystical feeling. He's not this weird, you know, voodoo. You received the Holy Spirit. You received God, all of you, all of us who've trusted Christ. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. We received the Spirit when we accepted and trusted Christ by faith. We got the Holy Spirit. He is God in us, which is our hope but why do we have this Holy Spirit? So he can help us live in the power of the gospel because we cannot do it on our own. And many people, and maybe you, are settling for less than the gospel. There was a study done in 2006, 2007, after a long research project by a sociologist named Christian Smith who is now at, teaches at Notre Dame. And he just talked to all kinds of so-called evangelical believers and unsaved people, and he said, you know what people have come up with with gospel? It is people have settled for not the Holy Spirit, not the gospel, not freedom that we have in Christ, but what people have settled for, for their dependence, is what he called moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic Deism. He says, this is, what, this is how people look at life. They say, it's, it's, they believe that God created the world. They, they believe that God wants people to be good and nice and fair and, each other, and te- treat each other nicely. They believe that the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about it. That God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when needed to resolve a problem. And good people go to heaven when they die. That is the overarching belief system of most people, many people in America, and many people even in church. These are church people. That's not the gospel. Moralistic, therapeutic 
deism is saying, you know what, I think there might be something good in me. That I'm not as desperate as I think I am. And that maybe I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. If I'm just a nice person, if I be moral, then that will help me. And if I, if I, I, I may need some therapy to get a little bit help with that. But I, I believe in God. But really, it's up to me. It's not up to God. We need a rescue. We didn't need just a little update. We are desperately in need of God. We needed the Holy Spirit to come and radically change us. We need to see our sin that way. Do you see your sin that way? Or do you think, you know what, I'm, I'm okay because I'm a pretty good person. I go to church. You know, I listen to get some good tips and points on how to be a nice person. And I believe in God, so I'm okay. God will accept me. No. The gospel says there has to be a point in your life Sometime when you said, you know what, I need, I need rescue. I'm a sinner. This is not good. I am guilty. You know, there are some people in prison who are nicer than you are. There are some people today who are better than you are, morally, therapeutically, and even believe in God. They are, this morning, walking around prison cells who are memorizing tons of scripture. I've had to, I had to go to the Joliet Correctional uh, Prison in college, and we went into the solitary confinement and I was about as naive as you possibly could be. And so we're walking into the roundhouse, and the, the warden says, all these naive college guys, he goes, hey guys, this is the circus of circuses. And there's just layers and layers of guys everywhere. And then we started talking to these guys. And I thought these guys were going to be all, you know, up in my face, and I'm just like, you know, and they start talking to me. And they're quoting scripture to me. And they're quoting scripture to me. And they're quoting scripture to me. And I'm like, uh, 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 I was in Bible college. These guys knew the Bible more than I did. They were treating each other nicely than I, than I treated my roommate in college. They were doing good things. But are they free? No. Because you can be morally good. You can have it all figured out therapeutically. But unless the guilt sentence has been delivered from you and you've been rescued from the wrath of God and the guilt of God, you are still a prisoner and the wrath of God is still on you. We needed to be delivered. And Paul says the gospel that I preached to you is that Jesus Christ crucified delivers you. You can clean yourself up all you want. You can make yourself all therapy, get all the therapy you want. But unless you have the guilt sentence removed, you are going to die and suffer away from God in hell. We needed the gospel. We needed rescue through Jesus Christ. What we get is the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't have God. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't have salvation. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't have life. Are you living your, your life that way? Moralistic, therapeutic, deistically, thinking you are, you're not so bad. You're kind of good. But maybe you've never had the death sentence of the guilt of God removed from you. That only happens by recognizing yourself as a sinner, seeing Jesus on the cross as crucified as your hope and receiving it by faith. That's our hope. You know what? That's for those of you who might not know Jesus. But some of you know Jesus. Hopefully many of you. This gospel is not just how to get into salvation, it's how to live the Christian life. The Spirit is what helps us live the Christian life. That's what we have. But so many of us, we get the gospel, we get the Spirit, we start to kind of walk, and then we get in this fog, and we think that to live out the gospel, we have to have some deranged, duty-driven demolition. 
That's what so much of our Christianity becomes. We accept the gospel by faith, but then we think that once we accept it by faith, we have to do all these things for God to be pleased with us, for that God would delight in us. We have to do these things. So I had a bad day, so I'm going to read my Bible in extra chapters. I have to do all these things. That's not the gospel. You're not living free. You're tying yourself up. Duty. There are things we need to do. But if it is done with no delight, it leads to discouragement. That is why so many church people in their 50s and 60s right now are walking away from church. Because they came into church, they heard the gospel, and then for some reason they thought that they had to work through this gospel. So they learned how to dress a certain way. They learned how to talk a certain way. They learned how to be at certain things all the time. And if they looked and acted and dressed and were that way, then things would work out for them. And then they got to be 50 and 60, and life has not turned out the way they thought. And so they just have chucked it all. And they know Jesus. They've heard of Jesus. They may even say they love Jesus, but they're not walking in step with the gospel because it was a duty-driven thing that leads to demolition in their life. And it will lead to discouragement. But if you serve God, do the things that God asks out of gratitude and out of delight, that will always lead to more delight. And you will delight in the gospel. You will love the gospel. So if we don't understand what we have in Christ, what we will settle for something less. We will settle for this moralistic, therapeutic deism, thinking that we are kind of going to fix ourselves. Or we are going to settle for this idea that we've got to do all these things because I've got to do this to get God to bless me. And either way, we are out of step with the gospel and we will be discouraged or frustrated. And if not, worst case scenario, we will end up missing the truth of the gospel and missing the grace of the gospel. Paul says the Holy Spirit is so much better. The gospel is so much better. Why do you think, if you go to any store and look at the bookshelves, all over the place, we have been inundated with vampires in the last two years. Haven't we? Everywhere you look, it's vampire this, vampire that, vampire this. I just read something yesterday where somebody read 75 vampire novels in the last year. Partly, I'm sure, because people are buying vampire stuff, so people write about vampires. But you know what vampires do? Vampires are immortal, aren't they? They're immortal, and you know what? The vampires today, they are immortal, and they kind of are moral. What's that that about? Since when was a vampire needed to be moral? But that's how I think people are going through so much stuff. And the economy's bad, people are struggling, and they think that, man, I want to get beyond this, and if I could just be immortal and good, then maybe life will work out for me. So they, they just dive into that kind of stuff, looking for hope. But the truth is, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that will rescue us. Not morality, not being immoral. We need the blood of Jesus Christ to rescue us. The Holy Spirit does this for us. This is what we've got. Look at verse 5. Does he, Paul says, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You became a believer if you're a follower of God by faith. Hearing the gospel, hearing the message of Jesus, and believing by faith. And because of that, the Bible says, he who supplies 
the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Paul is talking to a group of people who are walking around confused. He says, listen, this, this, are, you, are you missing this? Don't you see what's even happening around you? Here's what the Holy Spirit does for you. The word supplies mean it is, it's a, it's, I wish there was a better way to describe it, but it's like this. It, it means that there's a constant supply. It's like a huge party has been thrown. And whenever anything runs out, there's always more. There's someone constantly paying for it. So the party's happening, and you can delight in it. And don't ever worry about there not being enough supplies, because it will continually be supplied to you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. To you. He is poured out into our hearts by faith. He's saying, Paul's saying, listen, it is the Spirit who has supplied you continually. Continually the Holy Spirit supplies you. Continually. Why are you settling for something less? Why do we settle for something less? When we have this Holy Spirit who supplies continually everything that we need. The problem's not with the gospel. This is what the Holy Spirit does, even in our church. Wednesday, a guy told a testimony about a rough day that he was having at work. And Satan was tempting him, and it was a huge battle. And he was unbelievably struggling. He was reaching out for people to pray for him, and he was fighting the fight of faith. And Wednesday night, he came to the prayer service, and he just shared how God gave him victory, how he fought through, how the Holy Spirit helped him. And then after the service, Mrs. Nielsen comes up to me, Harriet, and says, I had to pray for him this morning by name. She didn't know anything about his situation, but the Holy Spirit put his name in her heart, and that morning, she prayed for him. And Satan had his guns ready, and he was going to try to destroy him on Wednesday. But Wednesday morning, God said, no, it ain't going to happen, because I have poured out my Holy Spirit upon you. And by faith, we have this gift. Why would we settle for anything less? We don't know what God's doing. His grace is amazing. That people who have not even talked to each other, he puts somebody's name on their life, and he saves them. He rescues them out of the temptation of Satan and gives them victory for God's glory. That's what you have. That's what you have in the Holy Spirit. That's what we have in the gospel. Why would we settle for anything else? Which leads us to this. What are you trusting? What are you trusting? Are you settling or are you trusting? Paul says in verse 4, Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. He doesn't believe yet. He believes these people are believers. I believe at Cornerstone there are believers who need to continually free themselves with the gospel. And cut away things that have tied you down. And cut things out of your life where you're blaming other people or you're trying to do things to earn God's favor and just say, wait, wait, the gospel says it's all done for me. It's freeing. So if I just follow the gospel, I can soar even in difficult times. Yes, that's what the gospel says. Yes, the Holy Spirit will be a continual supply to you. He will flow to you freely. That's the power of the gospel. Why are we settling for something less? The law says this by John Bunny. He said, run, John, run, the law demands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Better hope the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. 
If we add anything to the gospel, if you think that you can do something to earn God's favor, you're tying down the gospel in your life. If you think that you can do something on your own and you can figure out your own problems without Jesus, you're tying down the gospel in your life. Paul's begging these people, wake up, wake up. The gospel is free. It's free. It's free. You can fly. You can fly. Repent change whatever it is what's holding you back from this gospel what is it that you have convinced yourself what lie have you believed that says i've got to do something to earn god's favor or it's too late for me there's no hope i've messed up beyond it's not true it is not true the bible says jesus came to die for your sins to give you rescue to give you hope if we will respond the gospel frees you to respond by hope don't be foolish. Repent. Repent. What is it that's holding you back? Is there anything that's pulling you down in the gospel? Is there anything that's pulling you down? Repent of it this morning and trust. And as you trust, you will obey. As you delight in Jesus, you will obey. The Holy Spirit will make you holy. He will do this work in you. He gave you his spirit. The same spirit, listen, the same spirit that was in Jesus is in you. The same spirit. The exact same spirit that was in Jesus is in you. And that spirit led him to the cross and he died and he had victory. So that, that same spirit can lead us and give us victory through Christ for his glory. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? Repent of it this morning and trust and hope and joy in the gospel. Let's pray. So everybody bow their heads and close your eyes for a second. Just ask us to take a second and ask yourself, is, if maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure if you've trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Maybe you think it's because of something that you did or something your parents did for you or, or you've added something to it. You've never just trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. I encourage you right now to call out to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Come into your life and accept the free gospel that he gives. And maybe you are a believer and you're trying to figure out why things aren't working out for you and you're trying to do all these things. But instead, you just need to repent of that and say, I trust you, Jesus. I'm going to trust that you've done it for me. Help me to turn to you and turn it over to you. I just encourage you to do that right now. Let's stand as we pray. Holy Father God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that the gospel can wake us up out of our own fog, the things that we even bring our, allow ourselves to get caught up into. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work in us awaken in us the hope of the gospel, the freedom of the gospel that we have. Lord, if there's someone here today who does not know you genuinely by faith alone, that you would draw them to yourself. And God, give us the grace, Holy Spirit, to awaken us, to reveal to us areas that we are tying down the gospel. Maybe it's been for years, but you would just change us. Help us to repent and see Jesus alone is our hope. Yes, it's in your name. Amen. Maybe there's something this morning you would just say, I need someone to pray for me. I'd like to, it could be anything that you're going through. The prayer team's down here. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Just say, hey, lift me up. Encourage me. We have that same Holy Spirit to be our hope. Let's sing.